coffee in the big game. Dust off your Walkmans and grab your Rubik's Cube. Don't cross the streams. I got a great idea, you guys. Click shoes. This is Radio Wayne's Wine to Grow On, your 30-minute time machine to the coolest moments in 80s and 90s pop culture, wrapped up in a tasty spiritual hot pocket. Stick around for some great retro fun, and if you're not careful, you might learn something before it's done. And now, here's your host, Wayne Cordova. Welcome, True Believers, to another episode of Radio Wayne's One to Grow On. I'm Wayne Cordova, your host, your curator of cool from two decades that brought us everything from mullets to mood rings. Each episode, we ride the time machine back to the TV shows, films, fads, and phenomena that made the 80s and 90s so gnarly. Today, we're journeying to Eternia to spend some time with our old pal He-Man in He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Originally a line of action figures by Mattel, He-Man exploded into a cultural phenomenon with the animated series that took us all by the power of Grayskull. He-Man, along with his loyal companions, like Man-at-Arms, and Tila fought against the sinister Skeletor to keep their realm safe. He-Man and his pals weren't just confined to the small screen either. They spawned comic books, video games, and even a live-action film starring Dolph Lundgren. It was an epic, high-adventure franchise that fired up our imaginations and made us all feel like we could lift the power sword and fight for justice. So, whether you are a diehard fan with a Castle Grayskull playset or just remember trying to mimic He-Man's powerful battle cry, today's episode will have something for you. So, ready your power sword, channel your inner warrior, and let's journey to the heart of Eternia on this episode of Radio Wayne's One to Grow On. Who's the big guy with the muscles? Here's He-Man, the most powerful man in the universe. Skeletor is his enemy. He-Man, He-Man. If He-Man, Skeletor, and Castle Grace go, you have to put the castle together. You're doomed, He-Man. Oh, yeah? Watch this action, Dad. Now I have the power. He-Man and Skeletor each sold separately. Castle Grayskull also sold separately from the Masters of the Universe collection from Mattel. In the realm of pop culture, certain toy lines have achieved legendary status, captivating generations and leaving an indelible mark on the collective imagination. The Masters of the Universe toy line, launched in 1982, stands as one such icon. Journey back to the dawn of Eternia, where we unveil the men behind the magic, the rise of a phenomenon, and the inevitable ebb of its reign. The narrative of Masters of the Universe begins with a collective of visionaries whose creativity ignited a spark that would blaze through toy stores and television screens alike. Roger Sweet, often regarded as the father of He-Man, Sweet's innovative prowess laid the groundwork for the toy line success. His breakthrough was the articulation system which enabled intricate posing and action movements. Mark Taylor, the mastermind behind He-Man's iconic look, Taylor's design sketches brought the characters to life. His creative strokes breathed life into Eternia's Denzians. Don Glutt, crafting the mini-comics packaged with the figures, Glutt contributed to the narrative foundation of the toy line. His stories helped shape the burgeoning world of Eternia. In 1982, Masters of the Universe debuted, unveiling a world of high fantasy and technological marvels. The first wave introduced He-Man, Skeletor, Man-at-Arms, Tila, Beast-Man, and others, each character armed with a unique backstory and mythology. The toy line's success lay in its innovation, 
The Power Punch action feature made these figures a playground sensation. The toy line's ascent was meteoric, bolstered by ingenious marketing, memorable commercials, and compelling mini-comics. Masters of the Universe surged in popularity. Children embraced the figures, immersing themselves in Eternia's battles between good and evil. Action playsets like Castle Grayskull and Snake Mountain further enriched the experience. Tom Kalinske, Mattel's vice president, he was the one that recognized the toy line's potential. Kalinske championed Masters of the Universe, steering its growth. He pushed for more articulation and sculpting detail, elevating the figure's quality. A turning point arrived in 1983 when the Masters of the Universe animated series debuted. A collaboration with Filmation Studios, the show introduced Eternia's vibrant landscapes and epic battles to television screens. Lou Scheimer, co-founder of Filmation, his vision was instrumental in bringing He-Man to life on screen. His studio's animation breathed life into Eternia, solidifying the franchise's multimedia reach. The animated series introduced viewers to He-Man, a heroic champion who, when he lifted his magical sword, transformed from the mild-mannered Prince Adam into the mighty protector of Eternia. Skeletor, a malevolent sorcerer, stood as the chief adversary, vying for control of Castle Grayskull's power. Masters of the Universe capitalized on the merchandising trend, encompassing action figures, playsets, vehicles, and even lunchboxes, bedsheets, and more a comic book series by DC Comics, and an array of ancillary products further solidified its presence in pop culture, even a toothbrush holder. Paul Kupperberg penned the stories for DC Comics' Masters of the Universe series, expanding the lore and crafting narratives that echoed the show's themes. As the mid-1980s approached, the Masters of the Universe phenomenon began to wane, shifting tastes, marketing saturation, and competing toy lines contributed to the decline. The introduction of a multitude of new characters diluted the core cast, and the formula that had once mesmerized audiences began to lose its luster. By the late 1980s, the fervor surrounding Masters of the Universe had dimmed. The toy line's prominence had dropped down, prompting Mattel to rethink its strategy. Yet the franchise's legacy endured. Masters of the Universe's impact extends far beyond its prime. The iconic characters, striking designs, and moral narratives imprinted on the collective consciousness. Subsequent revivals, reboots, and adaptations would continue to pay homage to the legacy established by those early toy designers, writers, and animators. Today, He-Man and the citizens of Eternia remain lodged in our cultural memory. Nostalgia reissues, renewed enthusiasm, they've all propelled the franchise into the digital age. With the advent of streaming platforms and new adaptations, the legacy of the Masters of the Universe persists, a testament to the enduring allure of a world where heroes wield swords of power and villains scheme for domination. From the minds of visionaries to the playrooms of children and the screens of televisions, Masters of the Universe's journey is a saga of innovation, imagination, and the eternal pull of heroic fantasy. As long as there are dreams of valor and battles between good and evil, the legacy of Eternia will continue to echo in the halls of pop culture history. And the Masters of the Universe! I am Adam, Prince of Eternia and defender of the secrets of Castle Grayskull. This is Cringer, my fearless friend. Fabulous secret powers were revealed to me the day I held aloft my magic sword and said, By the power of Grayskull! 
became the mighty Battle Cat, and I became He-Man, the most powerful man in the universe. Only three others share this secret. Our friends, the Sorceress, Man-at-Arms, and Orko. Together, we defend Castle Greyskull from the evil forces of Skeletor. Let's talk cartoons. He-Man and the Masters of the Universe is an animated television series that first aired in the 1980s, captivating audiences with its heroic fantasy world, vibrant characters, and action-packed storytelling. Created by Mattel, the series was a cornerstone of 1980s pop culture and played a significant role in the shaping of the landscape of children's animation during that era. The show is set in the mystical realm of Eternia, a place where magic and advanced technology coexist. At the center of the narrative is Prince Adam, a seemingly ordinary young man who possesses a secret power. By uttering the words, by the power of Grayskull, I have the power, Adam transforms into the mighty He-Man, the most powerful man in the universe. He-Man is the sworn protector of Eternia, defending it against the forces of evil led by the malevolent Skeletor. Skeletor, with his skull-like face and dark magic, seeks to conquer Eternia and harness the secrets of Castle Grayskull, a fortress of immense power. He-Man, backed by his allies, the Masters of the Universe, thwarts Skeletor's plans episode after episode. The Masters include Tila, Man-at-Arms, Orko, and other unique characters, each with their own distinct abilities and backgrounds. The group's mission is to prevent Skeletor from obtaining the secrets of Castle Grayskull which would grant him unparalleled dominion over the universe. The show's episodes often follow a formulaic structure. Skeletor devises a scheme to conquer Eternia and gain control of Castle Grayskull, and He-Man and his allies step in to thwart his plans. The battles are filled with action, magic, and technology, and they usually culminate in He-Man employing his incredible strength to defeat Skeletor's forces. Despite the repetitive format, the series captivated audiences with colorful characters, imaginative world-building, and moral lessons. One of the unique aspects of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe was its strong emphasis on morality and life lessons. At the end of each episode, characters would often address the audience directly, conveying valuable message about honesty, bravery, and making the right choices. These segments aimed to provide young viewers with positive values and ethical guidance making the show not only entertaining, but also educational in its own way. In fact, it inspired this podcast in many ways. The success of the animated series led to a massive line of action figures, vehicles, and playsets from Mattel. The synergy between the show and the toys was a groundbreaking marketing strategy, setting the precedent for future multimedia franchises. The popularity of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe also inspired spin-offs, comics, novels, and even a live-action movie. However, like many phenomena of its time, the fervor around the series eventually trailed off. The show's last original episode aired in 1985, and its influence gradually faded in the face of new cultural trends and emerging franchises. Despite its decline, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe remained a nostalgic touchstone for those who grew up in the 1980s, leaving an enduring legacy that continues to resonate with fans even decades later.
so when He-Man first debuted in uh, 1982 as a toy line, it it didn't click with me really right away. I just remember these were really cool looking toys and the commercials were great, but it really wasn't until the cartoon hit that it captivated my attention. I knew who He-Man was. I knew who Masters of the Universe was. And, you know, we would see those things. But when the cartoon hit, that's really when it clicked for me. When I was a kid growing up in Belleville, New Jersey, I went to school at PS number nine, public school number nine, the best little school in town is what they would call it. And I had a friend named Bradford and Bradford was my, you know, we were in the same class, we were the same age. And one of the deals with after school is the fact that this was the early 80s. And so when we would walk, we would all walk as one big crowd and the crowd would dissipate as kids would just kind of turn on their street. And the walk home from after school was always filled with this banter and this talk of, you know, um, you know, oh, man, did you see this show? Did you see this cartoon? Did you read this comic? And always kind of you know, it was like the water cooler discussion of the day, but it would all happen after school as everybody kind of trail off. So imagine like this group of like 10 kids and then little by little, like each kid would go down the, the street and go down the next street. And so Bradford and I were always the last two kids. And so it was one of those things where by default, uh, he and I were were kind of best friends because we spent the most time together on that last leg of going to our homes after school. Every so often, uh, I would go over to his house and I remember being there and it had to have been like the day He-Man debuted or around that time because we made it a point to get home as fast as we could because the show aired at 3.30 and we wanted to make sure we caught it. We caught the beginning of it and watched the, the entire thing. I don't remember after school cartoons being as big of a thing until He-Man debuted. And then when He-Man debuted, I remember he and I sitting on that living room floor in his house in New Jersey, and we're watching it, and we're realizing, man, this has got to be the coolest thing. Look at the bad guys, and look how wild they look. Look at He-Man and his face. Look at the muscles. Look at his friends and how wild they are. Look at Man-at-Arms, and he's got a mustache. He didn't have a mustache in the action figure, but he's got a mustache on this show. This guy is cool. Look at Tila and, and all the other characters. Battle Cat. Who would have known that Battle Cat and Cringer, you know, were who they were in toy form? You saw just this ferocious tiger, green tiger in, in toy form. But when you got to this point in uh, uh, in, in the cartoon, you're realizing that, no, oh, there's two distinct personalities there. So for us, it was a pretty wild experience to see these toys come to life for the very first time. Well, then... After it debuted, and it debuted like in September of 83, right away, these guys made my Christmas list. And as we're, you know, going through, I start jotting down the Christmas list and I literally wrote every name on my Christmas list because there wasn't one character that I, you know, wanted. It wasn't just one thing or, you know, one actual, you know, character or, or one particular toy. I wrote all of them. And that meant for me that I, and here's the list. I wanted He-Man. I wanted Man-at-Arms. I wanted Stratos. I wanted Tila. 
And then on the, the bad guy side, I wanted Beast Man and Merman and Skeletor. And, and I wanted the vehicles. I wanted the Wind Raider. I wanted the Battle Ram. And I wanted Castle Grayskull. I mean, that was it for me. Castle Grayskull was the playset in my mind. I, I put down Ram Man, of course, on my list. Man E faces Fakor, which was basically He Man, but blue. <laughs> Trap Jaw and, and Triclops. I mean, I wanted all those, all those figures, and I jot them down on the list, and it was. It was kind of ridiculous because, I mean, here's like this Christmas list, and I remember it very distinctly because here we are that Christmas. This kid had the entire He-Man line, and I honestly think it was the first and second line of He-Man on this list, and I wanted every single one of these guys. And I brought that list to my parents, and I said, send this to Santa. Now, knowing what I know today, it puts this entire scenario on a different trajectory. Because knowing what I know today, uh, my dad had one of the coolest jobs. I mean, one of the coolest jobs. My dad was a supervisor at the Mattel Toy Factory in New Jersey. And I just thought it was the coolest thing because I would go there and I would see these toys on an assembly line. Like there would be these days where he'd bring his son or maybe he had to stop off and work and and I'd have I'd get to walk through these assembly lines and I got to see just toys on this conveyor belt and all these toys and how they were made and and I learned about all the different you know components of how those kind of you know, how those things get made. But my dad, my dad was practically Santa Claus because he worked at the Mattel toy factory. Now, the first benefits I've ever seen of my dad working at the Mattel toy factory was, uh, you know, every once in a while, these seconds or these um, uh, damaged goods or imperfects, imperfect items would come off the conveyor belt and he would, you know, grab them. They would get discarded. And so every once in a while, I'd get like the like um, like a Barbie Jeep or a Barbie Corvette that was like uh, all out of whack. And I would say, no, no, no. Like, I want that because I want to like repaint it. I want to use it as a damaged vehicle or I want to, you know, I want to put my G.I. Joe's in it or I want to put some other figures. And that was one of the first senses I was like, man, this job's got to be really cool to have access to things like that. Well, my dad, a little thing that you got to know about him is that, you know, my dad, he came to the United States from Cuba and he fled, he fled the tyranny and the communism of Cuba. He he was a, a, a teacher and a principal there, and um, he refused to teach the communist curriculum. And, uh, you know, like so many families around that time of, you know, being in Cuba, my dad wanted to find a way out to start a new life. And then he did. He made his way to the United States. He made his way to New Jersey, where he met my mom, who was also a uh, uh, a Cuban immigrant who had fled tyranny to start a new life in the United States. And they met, they married, they had me. And here I was, the, the basically the, the product of this man and a woman looking for freedom and a new life in a new country. And this life, you know, that I got to live, I got to learn a lot of appreciation and I got to learn a lot about, um, you know, how you, know, you appreciate what you have. And, and we didn't have a lot. When it came to um, money and possessions, but uh, we had a lot of love, we had a lot of gratitude, and the coolest thing 
was that, you know, my dad was a guy who um, worked three jobs just to make ends meet, get ahead, and really make a difference for his family. He worked three jobs at the Mattel factory, delivered papers, worked at the um, worked at the airport. My dad worked a lot, and he would sometimes come home late at night. I'd hear him come home. I'd run out of bed, give him a hug, and you know, tell him I loved him and I missed him. And he'd rush me back off to bed, and and you know, I would joke around at school, and I'd say to my you know my friends, my dad works for the CIA because like he'd be missing and he'd like he'd be gone all day, and I wouldn't get to see him very often except for, you know maybe on the weekends. And so this guy loved his family, worked really hard. And it just so happened that the whole list that I gave my family to send to Santa for Christmas was a list of items that he made. And so it was just a really cool experience just because worked so hard. They had this thing, the Mattel um, factory had a, basically it's called the company store. And the company store where is like all the merchandise, all the stuff that you made was available for you to purchase. And uh, my brother remembers, you know, telling me about that you know he went to this company store with my dad as they uh, prepared for for Christmas that year, and I say all that to say all I wanted as a kid was He-Man action figures, and all my dad wanted to do was provide those figures for me. And it when you talk about the most memorable Christmases of your life, and you remember Christmas 1983 vividly because as a kid you woke up and walked out to your living room. And under the tree was the entire He-Man and the Masters of the Universe action figure toy line unwrapped. And that was the coolest thing was it wasn't like it was they were wrapped up in surprises. No, it literally looked like a scene from a movie. These these toys. I remember the Castle Grayskull box. I remember the the images of, of each and every action figure in their box, standing on top of one another in this giant pile. And it just looked like a picture out of a catalog book. And this kid who was like, maybe I'm going to get one or two figures. I'm going to cover my bases and write all of them. Walked out on Christmas morning and saw every single one of those figures. And it was one of the first times that I remember as a child being emotional about like a physical item. And I didn't even know why then I was so emotional. And I don't, didn't even know why for the longest time that was so vivid for me. But I remember, I think about it now and I realize that the amount of love and hard work and sacrifice that must have come from my family so that I can literally have everything I wanted that year is immeasurable. And whenever I think about He-Man, I think about my dad. I've missed my dad now for almost nine years. And this episode is dedicated to him because he's my He-Man. He's my hero. And I've wanted to live my life in the way that he's lived his life for as long as I've known him because he's literally the greatest man I've ever known. And he provided me with some really cool toys, man. That was the most memorable uh, Christmas that I could think of. Because as a kid, it was like a scene out of a Christmas story. And I have vivid memories of each and every one of those figures. He-Man fighting Skeletor, Ram Man attacking the vehicles, Stratos flying through the sky, Man-at-Arms flying his power glider. 
Tila fending off evil Lin and Beastman, and the epic battles that went on to save Eternia in my living room are the stuff of legend. I will go to my grave saying that He-Man and the Masters of the Universe are one of the greatest toy lines of all time. Because the imagination that was unlocked when you played with these toys was like no other. And every time I think of He-Man, I think of my dad. And I hope that there's something out there for you that makes you, whether it's a, a piece of nostalgia, it's why we do what we do here. Whether it's a toy, an item, a movie, a TV show, something. I hope there's something for you that triggers a memory that makes you really, really happy. And if you don't have that yet, I hope you find it and you make it for somebody else. Thanks for that. Up next is the Q&A. What do we have here? It's Castle Grayskull. And it's mine. Not so fast, Beastman. He-Man! You can pit He-Man against Beastman playing for the power of Castle Grayskull. You have to put the castle together. Beastman's escaping. The throne, Dad. Dad, you saved the castle. Castle Grayskull from the Masters of the Universe collection. He-Man and Beastman each sold separately from Mattel. And now it's time for the Q&A. So uh, let's uh, dive right on. Donna from Colorado, which He-Man action figure was the must-have figure for you as a kid and why? I got to say, one of my favorite He-Man figures of all time was Ram Man because Ram Man was not built like any other He-Man figure. Um, Ram Man had this feature where you pushed him down, like his legs looked like little springs you pushed him down and then you hit the little trigger on the back of him and he would like jump up. And I love that. I loved having uh, Ram Man there as a figure. I loved his like little scrunched head uh, and just the way that his body was like short and stout. And it was just I loved him. I mean, I probably I probably ran through a couple of Ram Mans because of the amount of use that he got from his from his trigger, but man, that, that figure still holds up. He's just a cool, cool figure. And every time he'd show up in the cartoon, he was cool, man. He was always using his head to help everybody get through uh, whatever circumstance they were up against. So yeah, thank you. Love that. Um, Phil from PA, Pennsylvania, in your opinion, what makes the 1980s He-Man cartoon a classic? And do you think it holds up today? Honestly, I think that it was the mixture between the, the solid line between good and evil, uh, I think that having a hero that was not full of himself necessarily, like he wasn't like He-Man, it's, it's almost like when Adam became He-Man, he became a nicer version of himself also. Like He-Man was just a nice guy who was nice to his friends. It was great. And I just I love the the moral lessons at the end, that the fact that there was something to teach everybody at the end of every episode. Do I think it holds up today? No, not really. It, if you've seen the if you've seen the classic cartoons, they're fun to watch for nostalgia reasons, but a lot of the sequences, a lot of the things, a lot of the animation doesn't necessarily hold up. A lot of it was used for repetition, and so they would use the same kind of sequences in other in other episodes. Uh, you know, depending on how many times he changed into He Man, you knew it was the same exact sequence every single time he changed into He Man. There wasn't much difference. That's why I always love the episodes where they were just little nuances, little differences, little changes to how the the episode was formulated. Sarah from Seattle. That's fun to say. Sarah from Seattle. Who was your favorite villain 
from Skeletor's crew. And why did they stand out to you? Trap Jaw. There was no cooler bad guy than, than Trap Jaw. Actually, so for me, it was Trap Jaw. I loved his, you know, like his little mouth, his mouth action, the interchangeable weapons. I know that my brother also was a huge fan of Triclops. Remember Triclops? And he would like turn his eyes. In the cartoon, the eyes had different powers and different things that they could do. In the toy form, when he came out first as a toy, he just kind of looked like it was scared, angry, angrier. And uh, those were your your three options for his eyes. But yeah, man, uh, Trapjaw, Triclops, that was a that was a pretty awesome duo right there. Uh, Jeff from Florida, imagine, oh, here we go. Every episode's a crossover question. Imagine if Masters of the Universe had a crossover with another 80s franchise like Transformers. Oh, okay, you provided the crossover for me. How would that storyline unfold? Okay, this is how we do it. You ready? Uh, Masters of the Universe and Transformers. I picture Masters of the Universe happening like in a distant past timeline, kind of like Star Wars, a long, long ago in a galaxy far, far away. So I picture that happening. And so, and I kind of picture uh, Transformers happening in the future esque, you know, like the cartoons, like 2015 is when the, you know, the second generation cartoons were. So I picture this, which means there's got to be some kind of time travel element. And I'm, thinking that like Megatron finds his way back to like old school Eternia and then they tag up with Skeletor. Imagine all of these Transformer vehicles, you know, turning into Eternia vehicles and then Optimus Prime finds his way there. Now you got He-Man and Optimus Prime tagging up. I just kind of picture those flying gliders. All of a sudden now they transform into giant birds and, you know, all this, all this good stuff. And I honestly could see Skeletor and Megatron kind of becoming besties there. They're both kind of, you know, uh, egomaniacal psychopaths. I don't know. Yeah, that would kind of work. I like that. Good call, Jeff. Um, Chloe from Illinois. If you were casting a new He-Man live action film today, who would you pick for He-Man and who would you pick for Skeletor? Oh, okay. This is um, this is a heavy duty question. Are you ready? I'm going to go wrestling for both. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go wrestling for both. John Cena as He-Man, Triple H as Skeletor. Come on. The movie writes itself. John Cena as He-Man, Triple H as Skeletor, and uh, let the hilarity ensue. It's going to be a blast. Make it. If you make the movie, put me in there for uh, um, for some credit because that's, that's a dream casting right there. <laughs> um. Let's see here. Uh, last one. We'll do one more. From uh, Laura from California. This is the last question. Laura from California. Did you have any Masters of the Universe themed merchandise as a kid? Like lunch boxes or, you know, shirts and all that kind of stuff. Lunch box. My lunch. I had a lunch box. that was a Masters of the Universe lunch box. It was one of those hard metal lunch boxes that rattled every time you shook it. It had the thermos in there. I knew in the early 80s, uh, that your lunchbox was like the statement. Like you brought this thing to lunch and you told everybody what your fandom was all about and what you were, you know, really into. And I had to have that Masters of the Universe lunchbox. I'm pretty sure I had Masters of the Universe sheets as well. And, you know, anything that had He-Man on it was a big deal to me in, in that time period because nothing ruled 
in the early 80s like He-Man did. Guys, thanks so much for that Q&A. And now it's time for one to grow on. <laughs> Excellent Skeletor. Why have you summoned us here? At last I have the means to conquer Eternia and crush He-Man once and for all. We've all heard that before, Skeletor. And He-Man has stopped us each time. <laughs> but this time I have something special. A diamond ray of disappearance. And just what is so special about this diamond ray? <laughs> I'll show you. Watch what happens to any living being who sees the diamond ray. It's gone. The creature vanished. <laughs> yes, exiled into another dimension. The same fate awaits all who stand in my way, especially He-Man. You know, one of my favorite sequences in He-Man and the Masters of the Universe is something that would happen over and over again. He-Man would raise that sword. Actually, Prince Adam would raise that sword, right? And he would say, by the power of Skull," And then he'd become He-Man and he would say, I have the power. Instantly, he was transformed, ready to make a difference. Well, guess what? You and I, we have that power too. You see, He-Man faced dilemmas that weren't so different from ours. The constant battle between good and evil. Okay, maybe we aren't facing off with Skeletor, but we're definitely up against some bad decisions lurking around the corner, right? The choices we make today aren't just about us. They set the stage for generations to come. So let's talk power. You know, He-Man would say, a good deed is its own reward. And what that meant was, when you choose good, you're not just transforming your life, you're transforming the world around you. You might not get a cape or a cool sword, but the positive impact? That's your superpower. As Robert Louis Stevenson wisely put it, you cannot run away from a weakness. You must sometimes fight it out or perish. And if that be so, why not now and where you stand? This is your Castle Grayskull, your life where you've got to make your stand. And remember, the power to make good choices isn't like a fairy tale. It's not some magic that appears and disappears. It's inside you, and it's always been there. But like any superhero, you've got to choose to use it. So go ahead, raise your metaphorical sword high, and proudly proclaim, I have the power. Because you really, really do. And that's one to grow on. Here comes Point Dread and the Talon Fighter, including adventure book and story record with sound effects. Action figures sold separately. Let's hear He-Man, Skeletor, and the Point Dread story. I, Skeletor, will finally defeat He-Man. I'll use the Talon Fighter to stop Skeletor. In a flash, He-Man's hurled through space and time. Surrender to the power of Point Dread's Talon Fighter. You win, He-Man, but I'll be back. <laughs> Point Dread and the Talon Fighter with record and storybook. You have to put it together. Action figures sold separately from Mattel. Well, true believers, it's time to lower the drawbridge on another epic episode of Radio Wayne's One to Grow On. Diving into the world of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe felt like riding Battle Cat into nostalgia heaven. But don't ride off into the sunset yet because we've got some serious action happening off air. If you're loving these trips down memory lane, it's time to make it official. Subscribe to the podcast on all platforms and let others in on the secret by leaving a review. You're basically summoning the power of Grayskull to spread the love. Now imagine this. 
For just $5 a month, you can join our exclusive club on Patreon. Think of it as Castle Grayskull's Inner Sanctum, bonus content, exclusive posts, future topic polls, and the awesome The More You Know audio segment waiting for you there. Ready to be part of the conversation? Reach out to us through voicemail at 727-37-WAYNE or 727-379-2963. Got a lot to say? Fire off an email to RadioWayne at gmail.com. Keep up with us behind the scenes on Instagram at one to grow on podcast. That's right. One to grow on podcast. It's our new Instagram handle. We'd love for you to subscribe to us there. A huge shout out to the sorcerer of artistry, Greg Goslin, for our podcast logo and episode artwork. Give him a follow at Greg Goslin and let his creative magic cast a spell on you. Let's not forget the magic behind the curtain. Our editor extraordinaire, Stephen Orr, Catch his genius on Just Another Fanboy and the Superman Superfeed. One to Grow On is a Radio Wayne media production. So, until we reconvene, keep those power swords shining. Because next episode is part two. That's right, part two in this He-Man and the Masters of the Universe series as we dedicate an entire episode to She-Ra, Princess of Power. As we close this chapter, my friends, be kind, rewind. Woo!